Welcome back. Thanks again for tuning in to another segment of Changing Times from the Healthy Mind, Healthy Life series, Managing Your Thoughts from a Biblical Perspective. Today's topic, it's about a mindset with your host, Miss Jay and co-host Miss Shay. Hey, hey, Miss Shay. You know, one of my favorite Old Testament stories is the battle between David and Goliath. Why is that? Because it's an amazing story of victory and triumph that empowers us to confront and face our giants, no matter how large they are, Mm. because God is greater than our problems and we can trust him to fight our battles. In Exodus 14, 14, in the ERV translation, it says, you will not have to do anything but stay calm. The Lord will do the fighting for you. I wish we believed that. But I do understand that the hardest thing to do is to remain calm during a crisis. And until we discipline ourselves to not stress over an impending potential disaster, we can find solidarity and peace because God has our back. And it's good to know that we have the Holy Spirit who serves as our advocate, pleading our case before the Father. This reminds me of a commercial bought by a renowned law firm that says, we will fight for you. If you're over here in America, you know exactly who we're talking about. They say it with conviction so that you would hire them to defend you. But what's more encouraging is when God steps in and comes to our defense with victory in his hands, even when things seem bleak. Thank God Jesus is on our side at every twist and every turn. So we need not fret nor be fearful of what is to come. The Bible reminds us that our God will lead the fight as we watch from the sidelines. I love the idea of the Lord duking it out with the devil in the ring where I get to watch the devil get his behind kicked. (laughs) So when the enemy comes knocking at your door, remember that we have an advocate, all of us. What does he do? He will fight right alongside you until your enemies are defeated by tying Satan's hands from overtaking you. See, the Lord will bring to naught every fiery dart used against you. In Job 5 and 12, in the NET translation, it says, he meaning God frustrates the plans of the crafty so that their hands cannot accomplish what they had planned. We just put a restraining order on the devil. Can't do anything. He can't move. He can't fight. Take away all of his defenses, all of his weaponry. Strip him down. Decapitate the head of the serpent. Cut off his airways. Amen. (laughs) You know, since, you know, when I was thinking about this scripture, it really blessed me because when you confuse the devil, he doesn't know what to do. So when the enemy, you know, when he starts coming against us, when he strategizes something to to try to uh, disarm us, we can stop him in his tracks. That's right. Because he has been restrained by the Holy Spirit and he is unable to accomplish his plans against you. Now, think about it for a moment. When a police officer handcuffs an assailant, that person is unable to free themselves 
from attacking others and the officer. In like manner, what God does for us is to confuse Satan and break to not every demonic plot and plan he has against you and I. But notice that the attacks come when you're at your lowest point. It's like getting a notice on your door that you have 30 days to leave. That's that's the lowest point. Mm -hmm. or, or getting a, a notice from your doctor that something is wrong with you physically. That's your lowest point. But that's when the Lord intervenes and what was designed to overtake you is now under your feet. Praise God. Because in the natural realm, you may have to pay exorbitant fees for legal representation, but thank the Lord when Jesus steps in, hallelujah, it costs you nothing. Because you know why? It already cost him his life, the beatings, the scores, the taunts, the rage from people. He's already paid the price. So when you're going through something, know that he said, I will stand. If you know, like that commercial that says, we will fight for you. Oh, no one will fight for you the way Jesus will. That's right. Remember what the Lord told Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse number 15. He said, listen, he wants to come on, Jehoshaphat, listen to me. Open up your ears, be attentive. He said, listen, Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. He's speaking to the people as well. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. I'm telling you, when you feel like you're over, there's overwhelming resistance and there's overwhelming enemies that are against you, we need to understand that dependence and deliverance, they seem to go hand in hand, do they not? Yes, they do. Yeah. We can see God's heart for his people shine through. He put in motion a plan to redeem mankind by choosing their path instead of his. God's heart for us is one of deliverance, my friend. He fights for you. But what does that mean? How can we rest knowing that the fight is God battles, God's battle and not our own, sis? How do we know? You see, the Israelites were always targeted by Satan, but despite the impending attack against them, they stood and believed that God was going to deliver them because God spoke through the son of Zechariah, a Levite. The Lord told them to not be afraid or discouraged in the face of the vast army because it's God's battle, not theirs. You will never be blindsided and broadsided by Satan because God's plans to prepare you for the battle that lies ahead so that you will win. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse number 11 in the CEB says, this is so that we won't be taken advantage of because we are well aware of his schemes. We are well aware of the enemy's tactics. Are we not, Miss Che? Yeah. One piece of advice, though. We're a participant, all of us, we are a participant in our own deliverance. And God needs us to stand up and face the devil with courage. Let's remember, you have been armed with the greatest offensive and defensive weaponry created by God if you wear God's armor. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 11 and CEB describes in detail what the armor does to protect you. The scripture is prefaced with, Put on the armor of God. Verse 10, it says, finally be strengthened by the Lord 
and its powerful strength. Put on God's armor so that you can make a stand against the tricks of the devil. We aren't fighting against human enemies, but against rulers, authorities, forces of cosmic darkness, and spiritual powers of evil in the heavens. Therefore, pick up the full armor of God so that you can stand your ground on an evil day and after you have done everything possible to stand. Stand. Stand with the belt of truth around your waist, justice as your breastplate and put shoes on your feet so that you are ready to spread the good news of peace. Above all, carry the shield of faith so that you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. Offer prayers and petitions in the spirit all the time. Stay alert by hanging in there and praying for all believers. I wish we had time to unpack this, Miss Jane. Miss Jay, you know, the first part of that scripture talks about putting on the armor of God. You have to put, you have to do your part. You have to put something on. And so you talked about um, how God will protect you and it's your mindset. You have to know that you do your part. He's going to do his part as well. Amen. And we need to start seeing ourselves along those lines as spiritual warriors. You know, we don't always see ourselves as spiritual warriors, but we need to start looking at ourselves as that, right? Right. Because we are. And here's why. We we have a built-in mechanism called fight or flight, which is an instinctive physiological response to a threatening situation, which readies one either to resist or forcibly or run away. There's another part of that, fight, flight, or freeze. Woo! Tell us about that one. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Or stop. Yeah. Freeze. Amen. Now, there may be times we will run away from a fierce, aggressive animal like a wolf or a wild cat. But understand what happens in the body under this type of pressure. So when the fight or flight response kicks in as a perceived threat when faced with danger, the body releases certain hormones such as adrenaline and cortisol are released into the blood. Your body is trying to prioritize, so anything it doesn't need for immediate survival is placed on the back burner. Now, Ms. Che, all this is true, but what happens in the spiritual realm is another story. The ideal time to arm yourselves with the full armor of God in Ephesians 6 is with prayer should be the priority. Mm. Should it not, Ms. Che? That's your part. You do your part. God will do his. I love it. Put on the armor and pray. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. Because a spiritual warrior is prepared to fight whenever necessary. So you have to be ready. Mm -hmm. The battle is fought to shed the chains of conditioning and false beliefs that lie within you that God is not with you. Refuting the notion that you never have to fight your battles on your own because God is with you. Although he has made provisions for you to win, the slither of doubt hangs heavily over your head when in a fight or flight situation, actually thinking about what Ms. J said and you're frozen. Yeah, when you do nothing, because God has called you to put on the armor. If you do nothing, that's your frozen status. You just, nothing. I'm so glad you qualified that because I thought that was so neat. And I guess the listeners wanted to know, well, let's talk more about what the freezing part means. Amen. You need not be discouraged when bad things happen in your life or be shaken by them. News outlets, social media, and the newspaper reveal the most horrific and tragic news people are faced with today. Yet 
You and I are not under that bondage that we see on the screen. We're not. Because we have a personal word from the Lord to be strong and courageous in, a, in the face of any attack. But don't be surprised by the darts that are thrown your way like you are the only one being attacked. First Peter 4 and 12 in the GW translation says, Dear friends, don't be surprised by the fiery troubles that are coming in order to test you. Don't feel as though something strange is happening to you. God does not want you to be taken by surprise. It's about self-awareness. He merely wants us to be prepared. Just be prepared when things happen, okay? Because, you know, we're in a fallen world. Tests and trials are inescapable. You can't run from them. You can't hide from them. You can't circumvent them or avoid them. Sad to say, they are a fact of life, period. Just remember what this episode is about. It's about a mindset. It's not about what happens to you. It's about your response, your reaction to the inevitable, not the test or trial in and of itself. Now, some people go bonkers over bad news. I'm, I'm one of them. I, I don't do too well under pressure. But then there are others like my husband who remains calm. But you know, I, I, Ms. Che, I can't think of a single person on planet Earth who has not experienced the Red Sea, you know, where Jesus had to part the Red Sea to, so the children of Israel could walk across uh, the, the, the Red Sea and, and dry land, right? Right. Because Pharaoh's army was vigorously pursuing the Israelites, which is a picture of God and the devil at work, the Israelites, God's people, and Pharaoh with Satan in a body armor. <laughs> That's a good analogy. In a body suit. Yeah. But unfortunately, we, we have these experiences, but, but it is not the end of the world. Uh, there are times in our life we need the wisdom to prepare for the unexpected that visits families, friends, and enemies alike, sometimes at the same time. However, this is not the time to give up because we have direct access to the Holy Spirit to help us during turbulent and difficult times. Uh, now, Ms. Che, you know, the Apostle Paul had an amazing way of bringing clarity to unexpected events that take place in our lives. So he taught the Corinthian church so many things. And one of the things he talked about was testing, about trials, about unforeseen occurrences in our life. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, in the GNT translation, it says, every test that you have experienced is the kind that normally comes to people. But God keeps his promise and he would not allow you to be tested beyond your power to remain firm at the time you are put to the test. He will give you the strength to endure it and so provide a way out. So when you think about testing, we always have a quick mindset like this is only happening to me. Right. Nobody else understands. But look at it this way, Ms. J. When you think about the realm of time, the beginning of time, when you were born in the end of time, when you die, Amen. you're within that par parameters and everything is going to happen to you. Everything that happens to the guy next to you, it's going to happen to you as well. But God says, you don't have to worry about time. He's, he exists outside of time. And once we believe his promises, we translate our circumstances into timelessness because we know that's where God lives. That is so powerful. And, and the good news too, sis, is that everything is subject to change. Yeah. Everything. That's why I love that song. Everything must change. Nothing remains the same, even hard times. 
Don't you know there are seasons of peace in your life? It's about a mindset. Mm -hmm. Stop thinking about the what ifs and think about what good can come out of your troubles. Uh, maybe you've been hurt by someone in your family, someone on the job, lied on, talked about, ostracized. Maybe a friend or neighbor has done something that you're holding on to. And then you suppress the problem by keeping it inside without seeking help from uh, a trusted friend, a family member, or a confidant, or someone that you can talk to. But either way, you're not the only one. And by the way, some of what you may be going through is minuscule compared to what others are dealing with. Many people are knee deep in pain with no one to turn to. I don't have anybody to talk to. You could talk to Jesus. <laughs> I mean, you would be surprised at some of the challenges people are facing without having someone to talk to. Our advice is to encourage you to have a conversation with the Lord. He will listen. He won't interrupt you. He won't criticize or judge you. And ultimately, you will get the answers you need to every problem when you call on him. You know, the lyrics of, of the song, Trouble Don't Last Always, we, we used to sing that in a church I attended years ago. I remember that song. But it's proved out by the scripture in Psalm 35, verse number five in the CSB. It says, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may stay overnight, but there's joy in the morning. Amen. So that means that nothing lasts forever. Everything has a timeline. That's right. Everything has a timeline. Everything also has an expiration date. So if you're going in, you know, you're going into something today, it's not going to last forever. Just know that. So Miss J, when when you've been faced with hardship, would you mind sharing with the listeners how you responded? But here's why. Here's why. Uh, we don't want anyone to think that something is wrong with them because they reacted in an ungodly way by blaming others and God when they're going through. I mean, that's not the right way to respond to adversity, but it is certainly understandable when someone has not learned to turn to God who would never, ever commission or appoint trouble in your life, especially when Psalm 34 19 in the ICB says, people who do what is right may have many problems, but the Lord will solve them all. So, Ms. Che, tell us when you've been faced with hardship, how did you respond? Just, just curious, because I want the listeners to hear what you have to say. Well, I don't always respond the way that you would think I should, you know, a godly manner. I'm I'm human, I have flesh, I have um, a mindset and hurt feelings. And so, yes, automatically our, our, our response is going to be to defend ourselves and make sure we're protected. And I know I've been there in the past, but something that you said earlier, you have to be quick to go and ask for forgiveness when you offend somebody. Offense will come if somebody offends you, if you offend somebody, or if there's a broken relationship and you're not sure what happens, but it's still our responsibility to make sure that we rectify that. And when you act ugly, I'll just say act ugly and you want to go back and fix it. I always call it toothpaste. When you squeeze a toothpaste out and you get too much, those are like your words. You know, you can't put it back in the tube. It's already out there. That is so true. So you, you know? have to remember yeah. that when you go to that person and ask for forgiveness, you generally want to change the relationship, make it better. Amen. You know, so we need to know that, you know, that we do have an adversary out there and then I believe it's first Peter five and eight that says the enemy walks around like a roaring lion mm -hmm. seeking who he may devour. 
That is exactly what Satan does. But Satan is limited in what he can do against you. Look at the myriad of attacks against the Israelites and how the Lord delivered them out of them all. Yet they still struggle with a can't do mindset by asking God, where are you in all this, Lord? Why didn't you do something about it? That is exactly what we're talking about today. It matters little about the repeated attacks launched against you. It's not about what happens to you. It's about your response. Yes. The Israelites didn't respond well. But how do we know how we would have responded in the same situation, huh? It's about a mindset. Yeah. And what and who are you listening to when you are hurting? Mm -hmm. Job's so-called friends taunted him while he was going through the worst of times in his life, even to the point of even blaming him for his problems. Here's a word of advice. Get to a point in your life where you start canceling out the voices of people so that you can hear from God. That's good. I mean, well-meaning people can unknowingly say the most ridiculous, uncaring things at a time when you're hurting, even grieving. Yet these are the same people who call themselves friends. We need to start thinking about this, okay? Here it is. Here's what, what I, we have to say. When we're hurting, start looking for character qualities and friends who can identify with your problems to help find a solution. Instead of those who have no filters when it comes to giving you advice. Uh, what anyone says to you can either help you or hurt you, strengthen you to fight or weaken you to retreat by giving up hope. This does not mean that we cancel the ones whose honest opinion uh, of our circumstances is not in line with ours. It just means we need positive reinforcement to help us see the light at the end of the tunnel. True. And of course, there are uh, people who are gifted at calming your spirit in time of distress. There are people that understand where you are and, and they encourage you to stay in it. It's going to be okay. At the end of the day, Job had to forgive his friends for their stupidity and wrongfully blaming him for his situation. I don't think Job expected that from his friends. And, so, and understand that Job's peace of mind was at stake despite his friends' ignorance and placing blame on him. Mm -hmm. But also God will use someone else's troubles and their response to adversity as an object lesson of what to do and what not to do. So in other words, how you respond to adversity determines the outcome of your calamity. Uh, do you get angry by throwing things and having a temper tantrum? Or do you calmly look for solutions without murmuring and complaining about going through the process? Either way, God judges us by our thinking and motives. Our thoughts has a lot to do with it. The thoughts turn into words that eventually turn into actions that can further exacerbate the problem. That is why if, if we don't do something about our mindset, we might do something stupid. Find ourselves in a worse place trying to sort through the mess we just made. But only you know how well you respond under pressure and... There is so much to learn from Job despite his losses. But the thing I've loved about Job is this. He was determined to win. He endured the tests and trials on his road to victory. He remained steadfast. He remained strong in his faith, persevering through it all. Matthew 24, 13 in the message Bible says, staying with it, that's what God requires. Stay with it to the end. Job was in it 
for the long haul. And at the end of the day, he still trusted God, even when his wife told him to curse God and die. Oh boy, you would think he would have got rid of her, right? But he didn't because he understood her frustration. See, Job could have doubted God and asked questions like, why me, but he didn't. We can all learn from Job to trust God no matter what it looks like and patiently wait for the answer. It's about a mindset. Job didn't give up because he knew his God and he trusted him with his life. Job knew that whatever he was going through, that God could have intervened, but instead allowed him to go through it without wavering. Everything you go through has a purpose. And once you discover the purpose attached to the pain, you will then come away with different questions. And instead of asking, why me? You'll ask, why not me? The lesson we learned from Job's story is one of trust. When life appears to be over, when we know beyond our circumstances, fears, and human expectations that God has a bigger plan for our lives we could not see with our natural eyes. Our journey through hard times can be softened with peace and joy. Instead of seeking to defend our reputation and ourselves, Job's experience shows us humility before God. One final thought, the incredible thing Job did that positioned him for restoration was nothing short of amazing. At the end of the day, Job 42 and 10 in the CSB says, after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and doubled his previous possessions. Wow. wow. Which was the key to recovering everything he had lost. The key was to forgive his friends. The spirit of forgiveness is oftentimes a missing link that is required for God to answer prayers. Be encouraged. The best is yet to come. But before we leave, we never want to assume that everyone has received the gift of salvation without first inviting you to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart by repeating these lofty words. Lord Jesus, come into my life and forgive my sins. I surrender all and receive you now as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name, I pray, amen. If you said that prayer, you have been accepted into the family of God. Until next time, find us on Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Google Play, Apple, and other media platforms. You may also email us with your questions or comments at position to be blessed at yahoo.com. That's P O S I T I O N number two B E B L E S S E D at yahoo.com. Be safe. God loves you. And so do we. See you again soon. Goodbye.